0: want to hear something scary
1: nope 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 no god please no 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 are you done Now
0: you're done? Okay. You... Ah! <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not Try done. not to I'm break not the microphone I'm on done. episode okay. one. Okay. I'm done. All right. Ready. You good?
1: Yes, I'm ready.
0: All right. Well, uh, welcome to All the Nobes podcast. <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs> um, this is a podcast where I am going to tell my wife uh basically scary stories from history, either true crime or hauntings or aliens or whatever. And uh, I'm your host Nick, and my wife here is Luna.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. Good. Yeah, I'm scared. How? Are you? Why are you scared?
1: Well, you had you said we had to record this at night.
0: Yes. So are it's, all
1: of them going to record it at night? I
0: kind of want to.
1: So from here on out, are we sleeping with the lights on?
0: I mean, you make me sleep with the lights on pretty much every single time we Not go to every bed. Anyways, time. we have those little uh, candles that are on a timer, so.
1: The boogeyman can't get me if they're on. <laughs> uh
0: I don't know. This based on this story, the boogeyman can get you whenever the heck it <gasps> wants to. So We need um, more candles. Today I'm going to be telling you the story of the Denver Spider Man.
1: The Denver Spider Man? Yes. It's like Spider Man, like Phew, Phew, Phew.
0: Yeah, like a web slinger? Yeah. That uh, that doesn't sound bad. Okay. Well, it's not it's not quite as You're... cute as, you know, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It's a little different from that.
1: Denver, Colorado?
0: Denver, Colorado. Okay. You ready? When,
1: when did this... Is this a true story?
0: This is a true story. Oh. So I'm going to jump right into it, all right? Okay. 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 So in 1899, there's a man named Philip Peters, who's 31... And him and his wife, who I couldn't find a name on because I guess, you know, in the 1900s or early, early 20th century, women don't get to have a name. They just get to be Mrs. Peters. So it's Philip Peters and Mrs. Peters. And they move into a new bungalow on a quiet street in Denver, Colorado. All right. Doesn't it? It sounds great.
1: Do they have kids?
0: I don't know if they have kids do yet. Do they have a dog? They do have kids. They don't have a dog, as far as I know. But I imagine when they move in, you know, all their neighbors they come over, bring them like Jello and pie and all that stuff a because party. you know it. I mean, it's literally the turn of the century, and so like people are putting on their flapper dresses. I don't know if that's actually what happens at that time in it's history. It's not at all. <laughs> whatever. So
1: <laughs> we'll bypass. So that. people
0: are coming over and you know being all nice to them, making friends. Everything. How's your tea? A little hot? Oh my hot? gosh.
1: No, it's black <laughs> currant. It smells delicious.
0: Okay. Well, I'm just gonna keep going while you sip your tea. Sorry. Okay. So just to paint a picture of Denver, Colorado at that time, I looked it up and from the pictures that I could see, it was literally model T's, guys in bowler caps with thick mustaches, the police Lovely. are on horseback. It's basically exactly what you're picturing in your head when you're thinking of the era that I'm trying to okay. framework. Okay. So Mr. Peters just got a job at the railroad office in Denver, Colorado. Okay. Okay. And that's the reason that they move. From what I can tell, him and his wife, they seem like they're pretty good folks. They are involved in the community. While they're there, they actually join the Denver Guitar Club or it's the Mandolin Club. Oh, that's cool. Depending on the sources that I found some called it the guitar club some called it the mandolin club or whatever Both of them? Well, it's both of them because regardless of what instrument you wanted to play, you were welcome to come on down and strum along with everybody. Oh, else. so
1: women couldn't have names but they could play music. Yeah, so I'm for it. <laughs>
0: so couples and, you know, people in the community could come and it even like insinuated in some of the articles that some of the meetings for the club were held at the Peters' home. Okay. So like oh, they okay. would have people over and they'd all bring their mandolins and guitars and they'd all just hang around playing like that sounds like a
1: Yeah, it sounds really like fun. I would time. go. Absolutely. I'd, I'd go to the Peter's house.
0: Yeah. What would you play? Guitar or mandolin? You'd bring a ukulele, right?
1: Um you'd just sing. I would sing. <laughs> very off key. Starring Luna. And very tone deaf, but I would sing. Lola, no. What
0: <laughs> a beautiful sing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, um, I would probably bring a clarinet. Can I bring a clarinet?
0: Not to the guitar and mandolin Oh, okay, Club.
1: okay, okay, fine. Then okay. yes, my ukulele.
0: Sure. Okay, so they're living a relatively happy life, pretty normal, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. He's working down at the railroad company or whatever. They do have kids. They grow old. They're doing their thing until the year of 1941 when Mrs. Peters has an accident. I don't know, they didn't like go in depth about what happened, um, but she breaks her hip.
1: How old are they at this point? At this
0: point, uh, Mr. Peters is 73. Oh, okay. So old enough where like all you have to do is slip on Mm -hmm. the stairs and you're going to break your hip. So they're pretty old. Obviously, having a broken hip is a pretty serious injury, especially for somebody who's older. It's the 1940s. So I don't even really know what they do to treat it besides just say like, go sit in bed. Stick a bandaid on it. You'll be better in the morning. (laughs) Good luck out there, Mrs. Peters. Um, So they tell Mrs. Peters that she has to stay at the hospital for a few months. okay Okay. meanwhile Mr. Peters who you know he's a good guy he loves his wife they have a family and everything at this point you know he's 70 so the kids have all moved out and everything so he's living at home alone in their space in Colorado um, in Denver so he goes and he visits his wife while she's at the hospital and she's been there for about two weeks. And during that time, all of Mr. Peter's neighbors are like coming up to him being like, hey, we know you're really struggling with your wife in the hospital. Like we care about you. We want to make sure that you're OK. You should come over to our house. Like we'll make you dinner. We'll keep you company while your wife is in the hospital. Caring which is, neighbors. Yeah, caring neighbors. And he's, a, you know, he's, he's an old. awesome dude. So like they want to make sure that he's taken care of and everything. Of
1: course, I would take care of Mr. Peters. So
0: Mr. Peters, he agrees to go to dinner and he appreciates everybody helping him and having them over to his house so that he can pass the time instead of being alone. <laughs> What's the face that you're making you feel bad for him? I don't want him to him?
1: die. Well, oh,
0: so what happens one to Mr. Night, Peters? The night of Friday, October 17th in 1941, the same year, only two weeks since Mrs. Peters has been in the hospital, Mr. Peters doesn't show up to his neighbor's house when he says he's supposed to. The neighbors start to get worried and they decide that they should go check on him and make sure that he's all right. So they go out, they get together some other people in the community to investigate his house and make sure that he's okay, but they discover that all the doors are locked and all the lights are off. So they don't really know what's going on. They can't find a way into the house until a little girl in the community discovers that there's a loose screen that she can wiggle through and get in a window from, which... I feel it's irresponsible for like the adults to just, I mean, it's the 40s, but like, and this is something that my dad would do. My dad would absolutely be like, Nick, you know what? Like they can't, they can't charge a little kid with a break in it. So we're just going to, it's going to be fine. Just crawl (laughs) in the window, unlock the door. It's going to be great. So the little girl climbs into the window. Okay. And the adults are waiting for her outside And they hear a scream come from inside the house. She never recovered from what she saw.
1: I'm gonna assume.
0: So what the little girl discovered was the body of Mister Peters, the sweet 73 year old mandolin player an all around good guy, with his head bashed in, lying in a pool of his own blood on the floor of his bedroom. Oh,
1: Mr. Peters. Oh,
0: Mr. Peters. Uh, he got it pretty rough. Oh. So, obviously, the police are called, and soon after, they arrive to investigate the home.
1: Who would do that to Mr. Peters? So. (laughs) I really fell for this guy in a very short period of time.
0: You love Mr. Peters. He's great. He seems like an awesome dude. He's like everybody's cool grandpa.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You just want to hug
0: him. You don't want. Okay. So, what the police describe, what they said that they discovered when they went to the home was that Mr. Peters was struck 37 times over the head with a blunt object as he traversed from his kitchen to his bedroom. So there was like a struggle of him trying to fight whoever his attacker was, as he went from the kitchen to the bedroom and he was struck repeatedly over the head with a blunt object. They described the scene as brutal And the slaying was without mercy because blood was splattered everywhere, including the ceiling and was spread throughout rooms in the home.
1: Oh, my God. So
0: it was a pretty vicious fight between whoever attacked him. And so Mr. Peters. Yeah, he's he's not in good shape. So the police are investigating the space. He's dead. Oh, yeah. He's straight up dead. 30, 38 Uh, times. I just wanted to confirm. So the police find no signs of forced entry. Okay. None of the doors are like broken in. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but all the doors are locked and they're locked from the inside. They're locked with a key and with one of those little chain thingies. So, okay. so nobody has broken into the home. Okay? What about the screen? Well, I don't know about that, they, but he couldn't get Loop into Hall. the screen. He couldn't get whoever it was. They assumed assume that he couldn't get into the screen.
1: Okay.
0: So they search every inch of the house and they can't find any sign of Mr. Peter's attacker or a motive for the attack. They went as far as to try to investigate a crawl space in the ceiling of a closet, but they decided that it seemed way too small for anybody to fit in because it was literally only like a foot and a half or so wide. And when they tried to get in, it appeared to be completely sealed shut. So they were just like, "Okay, there's no sign of anything going on here. So they're continuing their investigation and they find that Mr. Peter's wallet and his watch are still sitting on his dresser.
1: So they didn't steal anything. So
0: they rule out they rule it out as a robbery. They're like, it's obviously not a robbery. Yep. This this seems like it's a pretty brutal and vicious attack. And we don't know what, what's going on. Well, it doesn't seem like it because, you know, all of the neighbors really like Mr. Peters and they're like super into him. Did so. he steal
1: somebody's mandolin 30 years ago? <laughs> no. I really want to know. Oh, maybe.
0: <sighs> so um, what they do find is a damp towel that looked as if it had been used to clean up blood in the kitchen they found two cast iron shakers and I don't know exactly what a cast iron shaker is I looked it up and based on listings that I found on Etsy and a couple of other things on eBay it appears as though a cast iron shaker is something that you use for like a large cast iron stove and I think it attaches to like the grates or something, so you can stir the coals up, like rotate okay. them and crank it. Makes sense. So, so it's basically just like a big metal lever Ugh. that you would use to crank something. That's what you got something. hit with. So, they discover these two cast iron shakers, Ugh. and one of the shakers is dusty and appears as though it hasn't been used at all, but the other looked as though it had just been cleaned moments ago before the police got there.
1: So, why did? Okay. Okay.
0: No. What's your question?
1: Why would you why would he clean it after? I don't clearly, know. Clearly clearly I mean, yeah. they are going to know that something the happened man's head to Mr. Peters. Like so a what pumpkin does it matter floor. what they I don't used? Know.
0: So they clean that up thinking that, you know, they're getting rid of evidence, whatever. Okay. There were fingerprints that they found on the scene, but they were just revealed to be the fingerprints of Mrs. Peters and their neighbors. And Mr. Mrs. Peters hadn't been around for two weeks and the neighbors had been helping coming in and in and yeah. out, taking care of him. So all identify. of that was inconclusive. So the police have no leads and no solid motive because, you know, Mr. Peters is a good guy. He doesn't really have any enemies. The and police he's come to the conclusion. Who has enemies
1: at 74 years old? Uh, I don't
0: know. I mean, you've met my grandmother. She's a pretty.
1: <laughs> Grandma, she probably has some enemies.
0: Um. OK, so. With love. The police basically come to the conclusion that the killer must have been a. And this is a quote from the article I read. A blood crazy giant. That somehow entered and exited the home without leaving a trace. Which I guess is just as good as solved (laughs) for a murder in the 1940s.
1: Why would they they say a giant? I don't know. A blood crazed giant. A regular sized man. Regular
0: sized people don't do crime like this.
1: So it had to be a blood crazed (laughs) giant
0: who couldn't. (laughs) A monster man. Only Frankenstein (laughs) could do it. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just that. That was their decision. They were like, "Okay." That is the most. That's the most cop-out 1940s version. Well, of must like, have been a uh,
1: woodpecker on some uh, heroin that did it. Then, well, woodpeckers
0: like, become a part of the story. What? Just wait. Okay, Mrs. Peters is still in the hospital when she f- gets the news that her husband has been murdered right she has to remain there for the next few months as she's recovering obviously physically as well as emotionally at this point upon hearing about the untimely death of her sweet Mr. Peters so as time passes the house is left vacant right Mm -hmm. neighbors in the community start to notice some weird things that are going on in the house even though it's empty some kids believe that as they're passing by they see lights on that aren't supposed to be on um, there is a woman who is one of the neighbors of the home who claims that she saw the face of a ghost in one of the shadowy windows. She calls the police and the police return to investigate the home. And they, again, find nothing. It's it's mm-hmm. left basically exactly as it was the day that mr peters was murdered i'm assuming they cleaned up the evidence it'll just leave a bunch of bloodstains there for oh, mrs. poor peters. mrs peters but it's left exactly as it is nothing's been changed nothing is out of the ordinary so they just go okay well we don't really know what's going on with all that stuff going on rumors begin to circulate in the small community and people start to believe that the house is haunted with all the strange occurrences that are surrounding
1: justifiable it. yeah
0: and it's 1940s yeah. you know it's,
1: I would say this there was same a murder
0: thing in this tiny, quaint little town where everybody's friends. And now all of a sudden, like spooky shit is happening. So everybody's like, yep, the place is straight up haunted. Okay. So Mrs. Peters finally recovers enough to leave the hospital. Oh, does
1: she go back to the house?
0: She decides to return home.
1: Oh, Mrs. Peters, why stay with your Even children? Even though her
0: husband had been murdered there no. months before, it was the only home that she had shared with her husband for 50 years and she wasn't ready to leave it behind. Unfortunately, since she was in the hospital during the time that all this was happening, she was unaware of the hauntings and weird stuff that had been going on and that neighbors oh, had claimed Mrs. to experience. Peters, right. No. So she's only home for a short time when one night something startles her and she falls again, reinjuring herself. Oh. Yep. She refused to return to the hospital, so a nurse has to be sent to live with her and care for her while she's recovering. Okay. So while the nurse, at least she's not alone, right? That's good. So while the nurse is there with Mrs. Peters, she starts to hear strange noises coming from inside the house. The
1: nurse? or The nurse
0: begins to hear. Okay. As far as I know, Mrs. Peters Mm -hmm. heard them too, but this is focusing on the nurse now. So one night, she just sees something that totally freaks her the fuck out. Um, she calls the police and I have a quote from the Denver post about what she told the police. She said, so she says just a few minutes ago, I heard a sort of tapping. I'd heard it before, but I thought it was only some woodpeckers, but this time I walked into the kitchen and I saw the door to the stairway that leads upstairs slowly open a foot came out. And then I saw a thin white hand on the door. I screamed and the man ducked back into the stairways and I heard him running up the steps. So police respond immediately to this call, right? Okay. They go and search where, the home.
1: Where does the stairway lead to? It second leads, floor? It
0: leads upstairs. Yes, it leads to the second floor. So basically, from what I could tell about the pictures of the house, mm-hmm. it's like just a typical, it looks like a just a little two floor, like probably living room bathroom and kitchen on the main floor and maybe like a guest bedroom or something Mm -hmm. like a small bedroom and then a bedroom upstairs with a small closet and that's pretty much it so there's not a lot of ground in the whole space (sighs) so the police come immediately they search the home they find nothing they go upstairs and everything looks normal and they you know again check out that weird space in the attic but it's totally sealed shut, so they just completely ignore it. So when the nurse saw the figure, she basically, like any of us, was like, nope, I'm all done. I'm not doing this. Like, this is the part where it's like all the nopes. Yeah, People who start seeing these weird freaking things happen in the house, they just arms up like I don't know what to do yeah oh up against, oh
1: what do you do like, You'd be that, like, that is my, my money that is, not, is my nightmare. I do not get paid enough for this this <laughs> is above is my like, pay grade
0: I mean just imagine it this is literally the stuff of nightmares you hear a noise go and check and you're like oh it's probably just it's probably just the dogs it's probably just you know and Fetal then all position of a sudden the, the door floor. starts to open and then there's a gaunt white hand that just reached okay nope nope
1: nope did she take Mrs. Peters with her
0: Mrs. Peters stays
1: oh what is wrong with you Mrs. Peters
0: because one of her neighbors offers to come and stay with her to take care of her she doesn't want to go back to the hospital and since she has has friends in the neighborhood the friend one of one of her female friends is like you know what Mrs. Peters I'm gonna come stay with you don't you worry about it Um, that
1: girl is a saint
0: She is another just this sounds like a whole community of just really good people.
1: Why do bad things happen to good people?
0: So the friend is there. Mrs. Peter's friend is there. And a few days pass, but nothing strange is really happening. Yeah, because he's
1: laying low because he just was seen. One
0: night when the neighbor hears a mysterious noise coming from the kitchen again, which is where like the whole assault assault started. So she runs quickly to see what it is. But. Since she's in a house that's not her own, she fails to turn on the light switch. And what she sees in the darkness is just this ghostly figure that when she sees it, she just screams. It looks up at her and dashes away. And she doesn't know where the hell it goes. <laughs> oh no.
1: no. She looks into the darkness. No, 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 She sees no. this figure,
0: screams, no. it locks eyes with her, and then Bolts. We need it to record vanishes. these in the
1: morning. So, oh, no.
0: Yep. So, the, again, police are called. The so, neighbor, it's like a figure. It is a figure. It, it's, it, it it's is not like, a human? No, it's a human, but looks. But okay, it's not- so. The police are called and they take her statement. They take her statement and she says that it was a filthy, wraith like creature that just it looks like this decrepit like you know what a wraith is from the Lore of the Wraiths. Like it's basically a dementor, like it's like a ghoul. But when she screamed, did she say it was white? It's pale, like the other thing that the other woman saw. Hmm. But she didn't see where it went. Police So it scattered where? It it just bolted when she screamed. She saw it either from the (sighs) hallway or from like the bottom of the stairs or the 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 top of the stairs or whatever. So at this point, everybody involved, Mrs. Peters' neighbors, her relatives, everybody is like, Mrs. Peters, we're sorry. But your house is like kind of haunted Now's as fuck. Time. You need to go somewhere. DTFO,
1: else. Mrs. Peters. So
0: they finally have Mrs. Peters moving with her son. Her son is like, "Come on, mom! Like it's time to get out of there." Oh, not, good
1: thing the son freaking stepped up halfway through. Where was he four months ago? I don't
0: know. I mean, she's seventy something, so, and up maybe his ass. maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't call his mom that much. There are bad children out there, you know.
1: There are also bad parents out there. Anyway. Don't blame the the child. Oh, so
0: you think Mrs. Peters is a...
1: We don't know anymore!
0: (laughs) (laughs) With her broken hip, beating him over the head with a cast iron shaker. Oh... So her son asks her to come live with him and she agrees. The house is left vacant again, but that doesn't stop the strange noises and the ghost like apparitions that people claim to hear and see. Apparitions coming from the house. or
1: apparition?
0: There are multiple occurrences of the same ghoulishly spooky, I pale see. creature, or whatever, in the windows and stuff.
1: I would move. If I was as the time neighbor, passes, I
0: would move. people start to notice that there's like a putrid odor coming from the house like a feral animal that people can smell as they pass by and walk wow, around
1: Wow, it house. has to be really bad if you can smell it passing it's, by. It's pretty
0: crazy. At this point, the police are pretty tired of being bothered with multiple calls about the same haunted house only to turn up nothing every single time they investigate it. So they decide enough is enough. And at this point, it's July. So it's been like, what, six or seven months since Mr. Peter's died so he died in October and now it's July so there were constant reports of all these strange happenings and they decided it was time to stake out the house and finally put an end to all of it so two men from the Denver Police Department are stationed across the street from the home okay Okay. they're waiting and waiting but nothing out of the ordinary is happening the sun starts to set and the postman is like making his way down the street he's going down the sidewalk and as the sun is setting one of the officers suddenly sees something that like just freaks him out it sends it chill down his spine and like makes his stomach turn over so and he's
1: outside he's across outside the street, across the street and it had this effect
0: so solid he's looking at the house and one of the curtains shifts <laughs> revealing a face that the officer described as a hobgoblin staring down at the postman
1: <laughs> so postman run
0: the, the officer is like stunned for a second but then he elbows his partner and he's like did you see that and the, uh, his his other officer is like oh yeah i saw that so they both uh, this is the 1940s they both run across the street blowing their whistles brr, brr, you know they're uh-huh not- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. you're picturing it and they're, like, hey! uh, you know, uh, swinging uh, their swinging uh, their uh, nightsticks in blowing the air, their
1: whistles. I picture blowing really big their whistles. Hats.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Mustaches.
0: So they're trying to get back up on the scene, blowing their whistles. So they break down the door and they quickly run upstairs to where they saw the figure in the window. When they reach the top of the stairs, they see the closet door from the room starting to close. They book it inside of the room. And they fling the door open only to reveal a pair of emaciated legs that are dangling from the ceiling, struggling to get up into the crawl space. Okay. (gasps) So the figure is desperately trying to get back into the crawl space. And one of the officers, because this is a very small closet, only one of them could fit in. He goes to grab at the leg of whatever's trying to climb up there and he gets its pant leg But the clothing is so tattered and disgusting that it just falls apart. Oh, my God. So it's still trying to get through the door, the um, Mm -hmm. crawlspace little hole in the ceiling or whatever. And the police officer makes one more desperate grab to get this thing. And he ends up latching onto its ankle. Okay, And the figure lets out a yelp of pain and then suddenly goes limp. All right. So. The what? officers, the officers, remove the unconscious body from the cra- crawl space, and what they discover is this feral-looking fifty-nine-year-old man who's named Theodore Edward Conies. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but
1: it's a freaking man.
0: It's a man. He's five foot ten or five foot eleven, and weighs just over hundred pounds. So he's like emaciated.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: So, Police Chief James Childers. Describes the man as the strangest looking human being I had ever seen. He was a tall man, just under six feet, but thin as a wilted weed. His dirty hair hung low over his ears and his skin was the ugly, unwashed gray of an overcast sky.
1: Oh, yeah. wow. How long had he been living up there?
0: I don't know. Well, we'll find out. So, Are there pictures of him? I will show you. <gasps> he was barefoot and his clothes were basically just tattered rotting nothing the smell radiating from him in the open crawl Damn. space was that of a wild animal covered in their own filth Ugh. so backup arrives and the police captain is like this guy's got to be taken to a doctor because he's clinging to life clearly he's he's not well once he's taken away they have to the police have to have their smallest officer that comes to the scene god
1: bless that <laughs> officer oh my god
0: they send him god, up quit. into the crawl space Because the space itself is only 27 inches high. So just over the crawl space itself is 27 inches high, like that high. So a little over two feet by 57 inches long, which is under six feet. So
1: you're basically just slipping it. It is
0: basically a coffin. Okay, it's got a single bare bulb hanging from the ceiling. It has buckets strewn all over it, containing human waste, old newspaper that's being used as bedding. A bed made from an ironing board that had been pulled up there, and that was apparently—I
1: kind of feel bad if Theodore he didn't kill Mister Peters. Yeah. I, I'd feel bad. He
0: apparently was the phantom that everybody had been seeing in the windows <sighs> of the house. So once Theodore regains his consciousness, he's taken to police headquarters where they feed him a hamburger, an apple pie, and they give him some coffee. He's
1: living his freaking he's, life now, he's Theodore. Dying.
0: So as they feed him, they start to question him on. What had happened, what he was doing in the attic, and and whether or not he was involved in what happened to Mr. Peters. I mean, they're assuming he did. So as he eats, he starts to tell the officers his story. So we're going to give you the background on Theodore, (gasps) right? Okay, okay. So as a child, Theodore, he was always sickly and... At a young age, he was told that he wouldn't live past his 18th birthday. Oh, wow. He was frail and thin with long spindly fingers. He had a somewhat strange appearance and constantly had poor health. He was always picked on by his peers. Mm. And since he likely wasn't going to live long, his mother decided that it would be a good idea to just remove him from school altogether. Okay. So Theodore just wanted a totally like he just wanted to be a normal kid. He wanted to play sports with his peers, but instead he was just ridiculed and laughed at. He resigned himself to the only activity that his frail body could handle, which was playing the mandolin with his long, nimble fingers and ample free time. He became a great mandolin player. And at the age of 17, he and his mother were living in Denver where Theodore met Mr. and Mrs. Peters during one night at their guitar and mandolin club meetings Theodore was supposed to be their maestro for the night who was going to lead them in the song. Yeah. So not only does he come to their, you know, mandolin club and everything, but the Peters being the super awesome people that they are, they invite Theodore to stay for dinner where he tells them his whole story. He tells them that all he wants to do is be able to play baseball with his friends out in the street. And he, he, but he's constantly sick mm-hmm. and he knows that it's eventually going to lead to his death. And, you know, all he wanted to, all he wanted was to exist somewhere that nobody would stare and laugh at him is of basically course. what he oh, says, heart- somewhere so that he would no longer be mocked.
1: That's so heartbreaking. So the
0: Peters stay in contact w- with him, you know, here and there, but eventually they lose touch with him and Theodore and his mother struggle to keep themselves afloat. His mother apparently loses all of the money that they have when con men convince her to sell all mm. of her property and invest in a mine. This is back in Assholes. like... 1910 mm-hmm. or 1911 or whatever at this point. So as soon as the men get get her investment, Theodore and his mother never see them again. Mm-hmm. So they're they're really struggling. Mr. Peters bumps into Theodore again in downtown Denver, and he invites Theodore to their home for dinner, just like old times. And Theodore tells them that he's working as an advertiser downtown to help us to help support his mother. But he doesn't tell the Peters that he's still struggling, crediting his lack of success as an advertiser to people still judging him for his creepy appearance so Theodore loses touch with the Peters again for a few years mm-hmm. it's now 1912 and Peter's uh, the- Theodore excuse me is 20 years old um, this is kind of the last time for a while that he crossed paths with Mr. Peters this time all he shares with Mr. Peters he, he decides he doesn't want to go to dinner he's he's just completely down on his luck all Theodore shares with Mr. Peters is that in the time that has passed his mother passed away so now it's just Theodore on his own he doesn't tell Mr. Peters about how he attempted to join the army only to be laughed at again for his appearance and told that due to his poor health he would never be able to serve so um, I'm really struggling
1: right now on how I yeah, feel about Theodore. Yeah.
0: Um. So Theodore is really, really not doing well. He also didn't share with Mr. Peters that he spent most of the time since they last met as a hobo who was coughing his lungs out, living under bridges and in flop oh, houses, just trying to get by. Poor guy. So after that last encounter, Theodore drifts from state to state, making final, making one final attempt to be a salesman in New York. Of course, there he has no success he has no confidence he just can't he can't can't catch a break can't catch a break and he resigns and sort of accepts his failure and returns to Denver in September of 1941 and this is a direct quote from his confession when the police Mm. have him in custody I was in the neighborhood in September 1941 and found the Peters house unlocked and no one home I went in and stole some food. I was in bad shape. My lungs were giving me a lot of trouble, and I was at the end of my rope. Fall was coming, and I couldn't face another winter on the road. I had to have a place to stay. I didn't know Mrs. Peters was in the hospital, and when I found the hole in the closet, I climbed through it and slept and slept and slept. So he described the space that was... Really, no bigger than a coffin, as a good place to hole up for the winter. Uh, he began to feel comfortable there, sneaking around when he believed nobody was home, stealing small amounts of food a bit at a time, so he wouldn't make Mister Peters suspicious. Because he knows that Mister Peters is still living there. He doesn't know that Mrs. Peters. But Mister Peters hospitals. would
1: have been such a good guy if he just asked.
0: He cuts into the house's wiring system so he can install a small outlet in the attic. So that's where he gets the light bulb. He stockpiles the Peters canned goods so that he can, you know, have food. Slow Make sure that he's satiated enough just to get by. He even he seems like a pretty smart guy. He even made a small makeshift radio. So as he put it, he could stay in touch with the outside world. So my
1: heart's breaking, but also.
0: uh, Well, Theodore goes on to say. Whenever I heard him downstairs, him being Mr. Peters, Mm -hmm. I kept real still. Then I got bolder and used to shadow him from room to room. It was a sort of game. It gave me a thrill. It was the first time in my life I'd ever had anyone at my mercy, but I didn't want to hurt him. It was miserably hot in the summers and my feet froze in the dead of winter in the attic. But it was all part of the price I was willing to pay. I can't tell you why I stuck it out. I guess it was mostly because it was a world all my own. I used to go down and look out the windows and watch the postman come by. Nobody's written to me in 25 years. Whenever I saw people on the street, I hated them and would go back to my attic.
1: Okay. I don't know. So he's just so he's he's crazy. He's at this point. He's lost it.
0: So on the night of October 17th, mm-hmm. 1941, this is when Mr. Peters was assaulted Theodore thought that Mr. Peters had left for dinner, so he snuck down to the icebox to steal some food. But Mr. Peters hadn't actually left yet. Mr. Peters was just taking a nap, which led him to believe that he was out of the house. Mm -hmm. So Theodore ends up rummaging through the freezer and Mr. Peters awakes to find him basically in the kitchen raiding the fridge. And this is what Theodore says happened in that moment. I thought he had gone out, but he was just taking a nap. Everything would have been all right. And Phil Peters would have been alive today if he hadn't caught me robbing the icebox. He's basically blaming Mr. Peters. It was him or me. I hit him with the stove shaker when he tried to run for help. I don't know if he recognized me. It was nearly 30 years since he'd seen me last. When it was over, I ran to the attic after I washed and dried the shaker. I was sitting on top of the trap door when you were pounding on it from below that night that you found him.
1: He was probably shitting his pants. Excuse my language. Nope. Oh, my God. Yep. Wow.
0: So, wow. So, obviously, with all this evidence on Halloween, actually, in 1942, it only took a jury 90 minutes to convict Theodore obviously. of being guilty of murder. Um, and he was given life in prison instead of the gas chamber. And upon his sentencing, Theodore was quoted to say, now I feel safe. I'll have a better home than I've had in years. He spent the next 27 years in prison working as a prison librarian until he passed away in the prison hospital on May 16th of 1967. Uh, And that's the story of Theodore Edward Coney's uh, The Denver Spider-Man.
1: Holy cow. Yep. So wait, why did they call him the Spider-Man? Because he was wraith-like and, and... They
0: called him the Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure some of the sources that I found said that one of the officers mm. who went up into his space said that it was only suited for like a spider to live there. Okay. And the post kind of was like the De- the Spider-Man of Denver, you know yeah, how they... So, ran with it. so this is, if you want to look at some pictures, I've got wow, some pictures of I him. I do.
1: I do want to look at some pictures. I just need you to come over here really
0: quick. So this is Theodore Edward Coney's.
1: Oh my God. Yep, so wow, that's Wow, he is tall looking though. He's
0: tall and well, for being really He doesn't really look thin. as skinny, I guess, nope. as
1: I anticipated. That's
0: the crawl space. Wow. wow. Yep. That's, that's someone's head. head. And this is just cans and buckets wow. of, yep, there's the bare bulb. And that is someone's foot coming out of the hole in the crawl space. And I kid you not, like, i mean you see it it's literally basically like a little bit larger than a piece of paper yeah like a two by four piece of wood yep so yeah that's the story wow yeah
1: wow wow Wow. Which,
0: like, the more I read this, the more I freaked out because directly above our room is, like, yeah, it's a this crawl huge space. attic space. And I, this, you, and then there's, we've heard noises <gasps> in the walls, and we've been like, "It's just the squirrels. It's totally fine.
1: I'm locking every single door. It would probably
0: be a good idea to do that.
1: Well, I've seen videos before of people who, who've lived in uh, attics oh, yeah. and have come down. Yeah. There was one circling the internet a couple of years ago, a woman who lived in the attic, and every night she'd sneak down and get food and some guy realized it. There's a actually
0: a, um, there's wow. an episode of the Simpsons that's based on this exact story. Really? Yeah. Oh, we're going to watch that tonight. I don't, I don't know what tonight. it's called. I'll have to figure it out. But yeah, so that, that is the, the Spider-Man of Denver, Wow. Denver, Spider-Man, whichever.
1: That's terrifying.
0: Yep. And so the
1: Peters seemed like such a good family too. They probably they would have taken him absolutely in if, they, if, would if he have helped said him. Something. But at that
0: point, like he I mean, you heard him, like he was just so no, he like, was gone. destroyed by the world, you know, so basically. Would you
1: blame him or would you blame society?
0: Oh, you've always well, got to bring it back to society. <laughs>
1: society <laughs> is the cause of everything. Yeah. But really, if he had been accepted by his peers, accepted by his family, not turned down so many times, would he have turned out the I same way? It would have
0: been a totally different life for him, you know? I mean, I, I probably not. I can't say that I would be able to imagine him being that kind of person. But some of the articles kind of implied that he resented the Peters for for having this pristine, perfect life and being these people, even though they took care of him, basically for being perfect and well, for having you, everything that he wanted but could never have and, and I think
1: you get to that point where you do like he said he resented everybody everything. on the outside Absolutely. when it's not anyone else's fault yeah. well the people on the outside that he's resenting
0: well that's episode 1 wow
1: what do you think that was a doozy yeah
0: Are you going to be able to sleep tonight
1: um if we don't hear any noises. <laughs> I just feel bad for Mrs. Peters and Mr. Peters. I kind of
0: feel bad for everybody involved. It's not yeah. a happy story. No, nobody. And unfortunately, no. I don't know if many of these episodes are going to be happy stories. Wow. Um, wow. So, yeah, that's episode one of All the Noble I wonder podcast.
1: why when his leg was grabbed, he passed out with because the exertion. Basically exertion. because he
0: was he was just so... Amazing like he's the, the man was bones. yeah he was literally basically just
1: hundred pound and he was told he was
0: told that he was gonna die at eighteen. He lived until he was That's like sixty two or something like that. They caught him when he was fifty nine, so yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. Yep. Well I'm gonna invest in more candles.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed.
1: Lock up your addicts
0: Yeah, make sure, investigate your crawl spaces. All of them. Get the cops to investigate the crawl space. If you hear noises and you think there's somebody there. Don't send a child. Sound advice. (laughs) All right. Well, as always, I'm Nick. And I'm Luna. And we will be back with another episode in about a week. Sound good?
1: Sounds like a plan.
0: All right. Bye. Love you guys. Stay safe. Don't don't do anything that a small child wouldn't do. (laughs) Or... I don't know. I'm off script now. I don't have anything else to go off of. All right. I'm ending this before I say something Bye. Un- unintelligent. Goodbye. Too late. <laughs>